All right, welcome to the Sons of Fantasy Football League podcast. It's been a couple weeks, but we're back because it's playoff time. And lucky for all of you, all three of us on the podcast tonight are in the playoffs. So get ready for a lot of, uh, you know, I'm sure there'll be a lot of humble chat tonight. I'm sure we won't tout ourselves at all. So joining me tonight from Take Your Ball and Go Home, we got Shane Stein. Hey, Matt. Great to be here. Gonna start off my opening monologue with Christian McCaffrey's theme song for this evening. So here you guys go. <laughs> I don't know if we can actually play licensed music on the podcast, so you're gonna get us canceled. <laughs> well, this guy's gonna have the best fucking night of his life. Um, <laughs> God. Five five catches in the first quarter, sixty five yards total. I mean, what can I say? Really, uh, things falling into place for the uh, Desert Dogs here. Debo going down last week. It's the uh, getting flashbacks of Todd Gurley, twenty sixteen here, or whatever year that was. But I know the Wolves are already worried about it next week. So good to be here, though. Excited to be in the playoffs. Um, excited to be a division champ. Yeah. And uh, looking forward to uh, giving you a run for your money this week. Phil, how can you uh, how can you top off that opening monologue? You're usually the better one out of the two of you guys, but that was that was impressive stuff right there. I got all jacked up on that. Uh, came in with a certain level of energy. I'm channeling CMC now. Uh, taking it up two, three notches. It's not quite Derrick Henry cold temperature color rush Thursday night um, but it's it pretty darn close yeah Shane I mean j- just do your best this week that, that, that's all you can do uh, planets have aligned uh, just like always it, it, it <laughs> seems like uh, I, I will also say storybook season just as we all expected from the Seawolves <laughs> questions around the running back core answered uh, pretty emphatically, if I must say so myself. It's a shame the season ends now. I uh, wish you guys had a chance, but it, it is over, and I will not be watching uh, any more football this year. Great season, everybody. Thanks for playing. But in all seriousness, my God, how good is this dog's team? <laughs> they are good. Um, it's a good team, but... We'll get there. We'll get there later. Um, let's start off with some trivia. Um, and also, one of these things on the podcast is not like the other. So, both of you guys are division champs. Congrats. Josh Jacobs, thank you yet again for costing me my own division title with your 86-yard overtime touchdown run. Also cost me a first-round buy, so thanks a lot, asshole. Yeah. Um, but one of the better... One of the better uh, picks of the auction, and it got wasted on ball. So, um, love you, buddy. But here's our trivia question for tonight. Hey, real quick before we, we, we get into the trivia. I know we talked a little bit about it, but has the fantasy community ever been so wrong on a player than Josh Jacobs this season? And I didn't read a single article that said, hey, yeah, he... He deserves to go where he's being drafted. Every analysis I saw said 
out on Jacobs this season. He's going to have a terrible year. He's being way overdrafted. I, I don't. I don't remember a player that across the board everyone was down on that finished number one overall. <clears throat> I don't read analysis. I make my own projections. <laughs> um, yeah, it, it was bad. I agree. It was almost like that year uh, Ed wrote David Montgomery to the title. He was supposed to be fodder. Mm-hmm. That's right. All right, question for tonight. There were six Big 12 quarterbacks that started a game last week in the NFL. Oh, God. And then the bonus question, after we have the six, you will need to rank them in order of their college passing yards at that university. Jesus. So six Big 12 quarterbacks last mm-hmm. week. That started and an NFL game. Started. And then ranked in their career passing yards? Or started the last game for their team. Sorry, because... But, you know, started the last game. And then after we have them... You will rank them one through six in their college passing yards at that university. Jesus. I have three of them. Yeah. So, give, okay. me, give me a name. You want to go first, Phil? Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts did attend the University of Oklahoma, or Oklahoma University, I should say. That's correct. Ugh. Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes played for the offensive-minded juggernaut Cliff Kingsbury at Texas Tech. Baker Mayfield. Baker Mayfield is not on this list. He did not start last week. John Wolford took the first drive for the Rams, and Baker came in the second drive. <laughs> so, Phil, you're There's out. There's a reason for every question, and some, some reasons are just fucking stupid. <laughs> Kyler Murray did start that game. Kyler Murray did start. He was out in the third place. He was the opposite of (laughs) Baker Mayfield. I did not even, honestly, when I wrote this question, I did not even think about that. And I was like, wait, this has Walford for the Rams. And I was like, oh, that's right. He did start. And then Baker came in. So, sorry, Phil. That was not my intention behind this question. Tannehill went to Texas A&M, but they're in the SEC. SEC. Weren't they in the Big 12 at one point? These are current Big 12 universities. Sorry. Okay. What position did he play? Wide receiver. Wide receiver. I think his last year he played quarterback. 
Andy Dalton went to TCU. So that is correct. So you're, you have two left, and... Two are the reason for the question. I'm blanking. Give us a uh, AFC or NFC? NFC, both teams. <clears throat> oh, uh, West Virginia, Gino. Gino Smith, correct. Give you. I'm assuming I'm assuming the other one is Purdy. I don't know where he went to school. Brock Purdy went to Iowa State. So yes, the two that are on your television right now. Now, can anybody tell me of those six who had the most passing yards at their uni- at that university? Mayfield. He's not. He's <laughs> not on this list. I mean, it's. <laughs> Gotta be either Dalton or Purdy, I guess, right? I'm gonna say Dalton. Uh, it is not Andy Dalton. Yards only count at his university? Yes. <clears throat> at the Big 12 University, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's gotta be Purdy. So Purdy yeah. is first on this list. So Purdy's first. I'll give you the rest. Gino's second with 11,600. Purdy had 12,170. Gino, 11,662. Mahomes, 11,252. Dalton, 10,314. Kyler with 4,720. And Hertz with 3,851. I'm surprised. I didn't think Mahomes had that many. I'm surprised. <laughs> When you're, you got Kingsbury cooking up your plays. Oh my god! All right, so we'll do a little segment for the uh, the teams that did not make the playoffs, and we'll start off with the Steel Curtain at one and thirteen. And this segment's gonna, this segment's going to be what went wrong. So, I want each of you to give me a reason. Why this team did not end up making the postseason tournament? I mean, pretty plain and simple. It, was, it just wasn't a great draft for Ed this year. Um, Elijah Mitchell didn't really pan out. I feel like he was one of his bigger buys. Um, just wasn't didn't have a whole lot of money to spend at the draft, and, and, it, and it showed. Wasn't able to, to, to acquire much of the top talent. Um, I think his big buys were, were, I mean, Gabe Davis and Mitchell were 
two of the bigger players that he spent money on. And there just wasn't a whole lot there this year. He didn't have a whole lot of money. He, sat, he kind of had to sit around at the draft and, and wait and watch other teams make their moves. I think I ended up picking what the last four or five players by himself. Um, just kind of a kind of recipe for, for a long season if you don't don't hit on anyone um, and pretty much hit on every pick when you're that short stacked. So. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to play the fifth uh, for my own health, wellness, and safety. <clears throat> but no, you're right. If you're coming into the draft with a short stack, if you're going to spend money on a handful of players, you, you've got to hit on most of those players. Uh, and I don't think he hit on any. And there were a few just head scratchers. Um, Mitchell, uh, okay, uh, didn't hate it at the time, but it didn't pan out. Gibson was a real head scratcher and then just went downhill from there. Yeah, I mean, a little bit of this health is health because I think Gabe Davis and Elijah Mitchell would have had good seasons if they had stayed healthy at the start of the year. So that put them right behind the eight ball, right out of the gate. Gibson, actually, I thought that was a bad pick. He's running back 20, so that actually didn't end up being that bad. Um, and then, obviously, he, he missed on quarterback, which that hurts in this league if you miss on quarterback. He's usually pretty good at finding a dollar quarterback and Derek Carr unfortunately just did not uh pan out this year. So I do think if I think if Mitchell and Davis would have stayed healthy with Dalvin Cook, there's a chance he would have been able to add to this team and make it better, but he just never really had a chance. My analytics tell me Gabe Davis missed one game this season. Yeah, but he Yeah, but he was banged up. I mean, guys play hurt, so he was out there. I don't know he was always at peak performance, so. Okay. All right, next team, Nevermore, finished 3-11. and 11. What do you guys have to say about Nevermore's 22 campaign? I'm not going to say that they had like a bad draft or anything I, I just think they were in a really tough division um, and they had some bad luck early <laughs> um, for sure I mean they gave up a ridiculous amount of points we discussed it I don't know through what was it through they faced the high score through the first like four or five weeks or something mm-hmm. something stupid um, looking at the points against right now they gave up 140 more than the next closest team <laughs> Uh, I'm sorry, 110 more than the next closest team. Still gave up 1551. They gave up 1664 points. I mean, no matter how good your team is, if you're giving up 1664 points, if you look at it this way, the Seawolves only scored 1663. They were our high score this year by by a good margin. Um, they gave up more points than that. So when you're facing that kind of quality every week, week in, week out. I mean, it's, it's going to be tough to grab wins and fancy no matter how good your team is. Yeah, that's a good point. I don't think it's as bad as the record indicates. And I like the moves uh, of acquiring some talent a few weeks before the deadline, <clears throat> giving it a run, seeing what happened. Uh, it didn't pan out. 
the, the only blemish I would have is, I mean, you guys tell me Mixon's a keeper. I, I, I don't see it. <laughs> I probably would have just let him go at the draft for the offer that I had on the table rather than burning our... I mean, I'm, I'm, unless you guys are right, and he is a keeper at uh, $75, um, but I don't see it. What about the decision to, when you're behind the eight ball like that, trade a player like Travis Etienne, who could be a good keeper in this league? I mean, I think we all were okay with the fact that he was buying early, but I don't know if I would have given up a piece like that. Yeah, you don't really see that often where teams that are like a less than 10% chance to make the playoffs getting rid of young talent like that that for a cheap price that could be certainly be a, a valuable keeper going forward um i like the aggressiveness though i like the guys trying to win trying to <laughs> trying to stay in it keep your team in it um and certainly held his own down the stretch i don't know that he got many wins but he kept kept it competitive at least but i think i would have held on to etn probably would have been one of his, one of his keepers i think i'd rather keep etn over over at Joe Mixon. Yeah, I, I would have tried to move Mixon or Fournette instead and, and held on to the cheaper player. Because um, I'm, I'm looking at the keepers and <clears throat> I'm, I'm not sure how, how strong of a keeper Mixon is. And I, I guess we'll just disagree on him. I mean, I'm not sure who his keepers are, to be honest. I mean, he's got some decisions to make. I mean, I guess you look at Calvin Ridley sitting there with a suspension. What kind of keeper is that? Um, I mean, we know he's a good player, but obviously he missed the entire season. New new scenery in Jacksonville. Um, you got a guy like Drake London who's who's proven to be okay, but what's what's that quarterback situation look like? Um, yeah, some question marks there in the, in the keeper department for this team. Um, I'm not really sure. Yeah, I guess Javante. I don't know what his price tag is, but somewhere that's somewhere in a possibility. He's gonna get Rashad White. Would be my guess. Yeah, I mean, if we know the the inefficiency in this league is, you can find cheap keepers in the off season. So I'd let him go for nothing, like twenty bucks. Uh, next team, let's talk about uh, Brandon Scherer at four and ten with the park. Shane's gonna say yeah. he drafted DJ Moore and Mike Williams. Yeah, um, just could never really grab the the receiving core to go with um, to go with Chubb. Um, he's always got that good start, and then, and then also on top of that, some some bad luck. Um, he was also scored against pretty pretty heavily this year. Um, he was the third most points given up. So, I mean, you couple that with, with a roster that was kind of inconsistent. I feel like he was inconsistent at quarterback until Fields steadied that ship. Um, yeah, just just another really unlucky year and uh, just some some gaping holes in the receiving, too much boomer, boomer bust in the receiving core. You draft guys like you have DJ Moore and Mike Williams. Um, those are those are big play guys waiting to happen, but not uh, on a week-in, week-out basis where they're going to put up consistent points. Stole my thunder, I, I was going to say. Sure, 
elected to play Russian Roulette this season, throwing out Mike Williams and DJ Moore every week. Every time you rotate that chamber, sometimes there's a bullet in it. And that's what you're facing now. He did keep Joe Mixon, too, which you were a big not fan of. It, it hurts to burn another year of Chubb's prime. Like, I... That, that hurts, because that... It's not a girly-esque keeper, but you're talking cheap running back, high-end production. Man, you've got to... You got to get more out of it next year. I just want to sidebar quick. DK Metcalf and Fred Warner might go Lev Bell, Adrian Peterson in this game at one point. These two <laughs> clearly don't like each other. This is going to get they're they're all over each other every play. It's going to be fun. Um, next team, Mad Dogs, Micah, four and ten. Looks like he had some decent players on the team. Just another one just kind of didn't pan out. Yeah, we, I think we were pretty high on this team early. Um, felt he had a pretty good roster. I mean, if you look at it, Debo never really played to form that he did last year. Um, I mean, last year it was the Debo and Devontae show and, and led the Mad Dogs all the way to the title game, correct? Um, I mean, Devontae was, was good down the stretch. I mean, by that point he was already on your team and, and sold. Um but Debo never really surfaced to uh, to his production of last year where he was like wide receiver two or three or whatever it was. Um, had some pretty good players, just just didn't really pan out for him. I'm not really sure. I mean, without looking deeper into it, not really sure where it went wrong. I mean, he hits on, on Damian Pierce, had a pretty good year, um, almost, almost running back one, um, RB1 territory. That's Tony Pollard there who's having a really nice year. Just, just didn't pan out for him this year. Quarterback was bad for him early. I think he had Stafford. Um, Stafford and Dak. So Dak got hurt, and then Stafford was his guy, and he was awful. So that was really big for him. <coughs> yeah, I got, got burned by someone who would definitely burn all of us if he was a cheaper option in Jerry Judy. <laughs> guy looks great in a color rush. Pierce Pollard, I mean, pretty pretty strong running back core, probably top third in the league. Uh, what you're rolling out there every week didn't didn't get a lot out of Samuel. I'm gonna go a little different, and what really killed him, and that was Kareem Hunt, just not getting anywhere close to the production that he's been accustomed to. He's been that RB1, RB2 territory week in and week out for a while and just fell off this season for, for whatever reason. All right, next team, Fleetwood Franchise, 7-7. Seven and seven. I think this one's painfully obvious. Yeah, I mean, this one was kind of the injury, injury bug. Um, just couldn't stay healthy. So many players getting hurt. I mean, Javante Williams, Brees Hall, Jamar Chase. Yeah. I mean, when you have three players of that caliber um, get hurt, I mean, it starts off the season five and one. Team's good. And all of a sudden, you, you can barely field a roster. Um, and you're, you're scrapping on the waiver wire every week, trying to just get fill in players.
I mean, then you get um, pretty much a a zero out of Cortland Sutton down the stretch. I mean, that situation um, couldn't have went much worse. So you combine all that. Yeah, just a really unfortunate year with with the injuries for uh, for Ty. Yeah, another guy that got burned by this Bronco offense. Everyone thought the offenses of the Seahawks and Broncos were going to be reversed coming into this season. I was reading the same reports that he was around Sutton having lunch with RW1 every single day, thinking that guy was a lock to, to be bottom tier wide receiver one. Yeah, that's about it. I mean, it, it's injuries. It's even the, the guys that we really thought were going to pan out, like a Brian Robinson, second half of the season, just what wasn't there. Um, so it's, it's unfortunate, but it's, it's mostly injuries and a lot of the high upside players just not doing it. All right, last team, Bull Weevils. Uh, seven and seven as well. This one's tough as well because you, you draft the number one overall running back like we talked about. Cooper Cup hasn't played in four weeks and he's still wide receiver ten. Jalen Waddles wide receiver nine. So this one, you know, where did this one go wrong? I guess I don't know if this was luck. I mean, AJ Dillon didn't really pan out. Mike Evans, Mike Pittman. Just uh, and then keeping Dobbins, as Shane Shane knew last year, Dobbins was not going to be a good keeper. He said it first. So, what do you guys think? No, about this? I said it. <laughs> we'll take half credit here. I'll take forty percent. Um, no, I mean, Bull had a good team. He had a good team. It, it's just some of the guys. Like, I mean, I'm, I'm looking at Mike Evans. Like, you're you're accustomed to. Just seeing him in the the wide receiver one discussion, he he has a down year by his standards. He's only wide receiver twenty two, or yeah, twenty two. Um, really, I mean, only three touchdowns this year from Mike Evans. Like, that's not him. Um, can't really predict that. You're expecting eight, nine, ten touchdowns out of him going into the season. Um, Pittman, solid year, but nothing great. Wide receiver twenty four. Like, you're not paying these guys to be bottom tier wide receiver twos. Those are guys you're paying to be in the 10 to 15 range, if not better. Um, and they didn't make it there. Um, he did some nice things. I mean, obviously he hits on Waddle, who has a nice year. He hits on um, Josh Jacobs, big time. Um, but after that, I mean, the Cooper Cup injury kind of sealed his fate. And then I think it was what it came down to is we have six pretty good teams <laughs> in the playoffs. I mean, there's there's six really good teams this year, and, and he was just the odd man out. Really hit on Jacobs, really hit on Waddle, and then everybody else just fell off a cliff. Uh, so you would hope <clears throat> with those two guys outperforming what everybody thought they would do so much, you'd be able to piece the rest of it together but the floor just fell out of, of, of everybody else and, and you saw what that basement was for a lot of these guys and the cup injury certainly didn't help anything and, and the Dobbins take the only person I thought Dobbins was a great keeper was the guy that was offloading him 
Yeah, I think he might have been a little more aggressive at the uh, deadline, too, if he had known that Cup was going to get hurt. So him going down in Week 10, you know, he probably didn't do much at the trade deadline because he thought he had Cup, Pittman, Evans, and Waddle, which would have been a good uh, wide receiver core. But, you know, that's, that's uh, I guess, the, the difficulty of us having an earlier trade deadline. you got to make that decision. Um, yeah, I mean, we talked about how much we loved his wide receiver core. Um, how, like, I think when I played him, like how it matched up really well with mine, which was probably at the time, I mean, one of the best wide receiving cores in the league. And he had four big ones. And but like, you take Cup out of there, and then you have Evans not scoring touchdowns. <laughs> I mean, suddenly, suddenly the lineup doesn't look so good. Right. All right. Well, that's our. Uh... That's our breakdown of the, the teams that missed the playoffs. So now we can get into our first-round playoff matchups. We'll start off with the 4-5 game. Uh, Four-seed Redding, Redding Renegades. Kind of blowing that big division lead. Shane comes back and catches him and takes that division. And now he's got an absolutely brutal first-round matchup against uh, Team Ice Cream and Spears. This one right now, with the way the game's shaking out so far, we got a nine-point favorite, Ice Cream. 4.3 points so far from Metcalf. He's got three for 28, and two catches for 17 yards for Noah Fant, 2.7. Spears' team's going to be Mahomes, Kamara, Najee, Justin Jefferson, DK Metcalf, Travis Kelsey, Devonta Smith, and Zay Jones. And the Renegades will be Aaron Rodgers, Saquon Barkley, Dalvin Cook, DeAndre Hopkins, Amari Cooper, Fant, Zeke, and Terry McLaurin. Um, So we'll start off with Spears' team. We'll start off with Justin Jefferson. Obviously, I think, you know, Mahomes, Kelsey, and Jefferson are the big three there on that team. Jefferson had an absolutely incredible game last week. The very rare feat of not getting in the end zone and still putting up 29.8. He had 11 catches for 223 yards. Gets a tough defensive matchup against Indianapolis this week. They, they're they pretty decent against the pass. What kind of a game do you guys think Jefferson has this week um, for Spears? Saturday, 1 p.m. game. Yeah, I mean, tough to predict anything but a really good game from him. Um, I, I think you temper your expectations a little bit, as you talked about. Indy has been pretty solid. I, I, I want to say number one against the pass this year. You can probably fact check me on that, but I mean, been I very right. good. Yeah, I think you're right. Um, so I mean, but he's still obviously an elite player. Um, you temper your expectations a little bit, but you're hard pressed to get me to say that he's not getting in the in the twelve thirteen point range somewhere around there. Um, gets a tutter, you're, you're looking at closer to 20. Hmm. <coughs> 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 What's your take, guys? Um, I, I like the number that Shane put out. I mean, he's had a couple rough weeks. He had 3 for 33 against Dallas. Um, three for fourteen against Detroit and six for forty-eight against the Eagles. Those are his only three games that he wasn't in double digits. 
And after that, his lowest game is 12.8, 6 for 98 against Arizona. So I like the, the floor of like 12 to 14 points um, with obviously if you get in the end zone, you have 20-point-plus upside. So I'm looking, I'll say like a 6 for 80 game, and then it's just going to come down to that TD. Yeah, I, I like him over 100, uh, and it's mostly because I know there's some MVP talk out there on Jefferson, and in order for that to happen, he's going to need to get to 2,000 yards, which I believe is like 115 yards a game for, for the last four. I I think they're going to target him early and often, and he's going to end up over that mark and set the pace for the rest of the season. I, I, I like him around 125 yards this week. All right. That would be, uh, I think Spears would be happy with that game. Um, obviously, like I said, pretty. I think they are, Shane, like you said, first against the pass. So um, I think the odds of him being over 100 would be pretty good if you're looking to put that in an, an SGP there. Um, Alvin Kamara gets a great matchup against Atlanta this week. Uh, Kamara's been pretty bad the last five weeks. His high game was against the Rams. He had 10.9. Other than that, he has not scored eight points um, since week eight when he had three touchdowns against the Raiders. We know that Atlanta's brutal against uh, the run. What do you guys expect from Alvin Kamara, former softball champion? Yeah, I mean, really hard to predict with this guy this year. It's been been a really down year um, for his standards. Um, With that being said, I think he has a good week this week. Um, I, I think he probably... Gets into double digits, but I mean, he had, he had a nice four week run in the middle of the year there, weeks five through eight, where he, he looked like himself. And then ever since then, I mean, the touches have been down and hasn't gotten into the end zone. So, um, don't, don't really know what to say. Like, what's going on there? I mean, just kind of a, a weird year. Um, but I, I think he bounces back a little bit this week. And I'll temper my expectations again, but. I mean, I haven't getting into double digits. Uh, not going to go crazy. Give me, give me somewhere around around twelve points. I never know what to make out of a Saints Falcons game, <laughs> uh, especially now when there's no stakes. If you if you told me the score was seven three as a final, I believe you. If you told me the score was forty two thirty eight, I believe you. Um, just man, looking at the matchup though, you, you, you got to like it for Kamara. The guy is. I mean, it hasn't, hasn't been injuries this season. He's played every game except two, but he is just, it hasn't, it hasn't been anywhere near what we all thought it would be. And, and he fell off a little last year, but now it's just, it's fallen off a cliff. But all that being said, this is a get right game. He has a good outing somewhere north of 15 points. Yeah, <laughs> fucked again right before the half. Yeah, I, I, I just, saw that. I just don't know what to make of it either. Um, and you don't know what that... <laughs> Taysom, Taysom Hill should be the quarterback, and that, I think, would help him. But they continue to run the red rifle out there. 
it's not great. Um, he really misses uh, Drew Brees because Drew Brees' ceiling on deep balls was five yards, and that's the routes that Kamar ran. Um, yeah, that was what I was going to say. I mean, when he, those, that four-week stretch where he was great, I mean, six catches, six, seven, nine. Um, I mean, the last five weeks, three, three, four, six, two. I mean, just not getting the, the touches through the air. Um, and then, obviously, he's only scored a touchdown in one game this year. So he had three against the Raiders, and that's it. Yep. <laughs> but my God, can can you write a better script than this? Turnover, returned inside the ten. There's only forty seconds left, but Niners have all three timeouts, of course. Yeah. I mean, my God. This has pretty. This has pretty QB sneak written all over it. <laughs> this, this is ridiculous. Can the teabag get a use check touchdown here? Um. <laughs> It once won me a bunch of money in a Super Bowl. Can it win me one? All right. Well, let's stay on track here. We only have 25 minutes left. Uh, true or false, an uh, issue for Spears in this game is will be Houston's ability to keep this game competitive against Kansas City. Yeah, i having the same thoughts. Having the same thoughts. How how long can Houston stay in the game and make, make Mahomes and Kelsey have to do well? <laughs> um, that's, the, that's definitely a concern. Like... You want your teams to have good matchups, and obviously this is one. But Houston, it's weird because Houston is very susceptible against the run, I feel like. Um, Pacheco. Jenner, um, you would think that would lead to a Pacheco game, but I, I still think there's enough there. There's enough work for Mahomes and uh, Kelsey to uh, put up some decent numbers. Run CMC with the one-yard touchdown. Let's go. I need to go throw up. I can't. I can't watch this. Every the clock turns to December, and every fucking every season. break just goes his way. It's it's incredible. All right, let's move over to the Renegades. Uh, Lamar out, not going to play the next week or two. What are your thoughts on the Renegades giving the keys to the car to Mister Aaron Rodgers? Just a little little recap here on Aaron Rodgers' numbers so far this year. He has yet to have a 300-yard passing game. And there have been four games that he hasn't even gotten to 200 yards, including the last two. Got a little banged up against Philly. Um, and then the Bears game, he had 182 yards. So Rodgers has only, I think, four 20-plus point games this season. Gets a great matchup against the Rams, although the Rams' defense has still been... Kind of frisky. Um, should he have pivoted, maybe looked at maybe Tom Brady against Cincinnati this week? What are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, he's got to roll the dice somewhere. And I guess thinking Rodgers prime time Monday night against a shitty team, that seems like a good way to go. I think he's got it right. I think uh, I think Rodgers is the play here. Um I'm actually interested. I mean, I, I don't even believe that uh, that Huntley's a bad play this week. I think there's some room for him to do some work against Cleveland. So, but I think I think Rogers the right play. I think he uh, I think he throws for a couple scores, and I think he's a pretty safe play um, to not blow the week for you. Look, you don't have a choice. You got to play him. You burn a roster spot for what the whole season. On 
QB 17 for something exactly like this. If you're going to hold on to him, you might, might as well go down with the ship. I probably would throw him out there, but man, Monday night, if you need like 15 to 20 out of your quarterback, I'm I'm not feeling easy all day Monday with Rodgers no, Monday night. Absolutely not. I I agree. I, I I know we've made fun of him too this year, but I gotta think Tom Brady has a good game Sunday against Cincinnati. I mean he went he has to. Like they have no choice. Been saying that for six weeks, I feel yeah, like. But yeah, I know. Like you keep saying how many times you gotta say he has to have a good game before it's like, all right, he's not gonna have a good game. <laughs> and I bet I love the guy. Do you? I didn't know that. <laughs> Phil, do you know that? First I'm hearing of it. <laughs> all right. Um, who else we want to talk about on Feggs's team? Let's go with uh, let's go with. He's been a, a podcast discussion all year this year. Let's talk about Saquon. Um, last time out against Washington in the tie, he had eighteen carries for sixty three yards and a touchdown. Five catches for eighteen. Nice little sixteen point six week. Um. You know, absolute torrid start to the season. All double-digit games through Week 10. And then had the weird game against the Lions. And he's been kind of so-so since. This is, I think, a real-life loser-leaves-town game. Giants-Redskins. And the Giants need to feed him the ball. What do you guys think he does with it? Go ahead, Phil. First of all, I, I know it's a loser leads down game. Both these teams are just trash. Right, they, they have first round playoff exit written all over them. Um, I think it's an ugly game. I don't like Barkley to have a, a big game, but he's got low floor. He'll get to double digits, but, but just barely. Yeah, so he had a nice, decent game against them last time. 63 yards, gets in the end zone for a tutter. Um, give me something similar. I don't, I don't think it's a great game for him. I, I think it's just a, a, an average run of the mill. And if he gets in the end zone, it's a, it's a nice week. If he doesn't, you're, you're, you're pretty disappointed with, with the output. Um, I, I see a pretty similar game script between these two teams um, where, where they play to a... 2020 tie last time I I don't see either team getting much more than somewhere in the 17 to 24 point range look you, you guys all laughed at me but Barkley's fallen off the last four weeks he, he's averaging less than 10 points a game the last four weeks he's never played a full season to this point in, in week 15 in the NFL the guy is just Worn out. I stand by my initial prediction around 10 points. I feel like he has to score um, for the Giants to be in this game and for Fegley to be in this game. Um, but I think the Reds, the, sorry, man, the 
Commanders are just the better team between those two teams. Um, Racist. All right, let's chill on the accusations here. Um, Who do you guys have winning the matchup between Ice Creams and Renegades and going on to round two? Phil, you do a a COVID test here recently? Good? It's dry. All right. It's dry. (laughs) Yeah, um, Renegades kind of reeling after... um, just an absolute no-show last week. Um, 58 points. Um, just kind of just crawling their way into the playoffs here. Um, just think the ice cream's better. They got a better team. They got better players. Um, the Mahomes-Kelsey-Jefferson combo, while not the ideal matchups this week, um, I think there's just enough there for ice cream to get it done. Man, it's it's two fantasy darlings. If you could hear somebody salivating on a podcast, that's what this first few weeks was with my colleagues here uh, looking at this Renegade roster. And then a lot of that love has shifted over to Team Shit's Ice Cream as the season's gone on. The Renegades, they're, it's just it's fading. They just don't have the firepower to keep up with the ice cream. I like the ice cream probably by 15 to 20 points. Yeah, I like the ice cream pretty comfortably as well. I just think, you know, his team's got that Mahomes, Kelsey, and Jefferson. That's just tough. And Fegs' team is just really kind of taking a step back. But a couple players on Fegley's team are trending. Shane, check your notebook. Mark Cooper right now, wide receiver 12. Adam Thielen right now, wide receiver 27. And although he's not on his team still, Juju Smith-Schuster, wide receiver 25. You got options. You got options. I think we're, yeah, we're, we're where we need to be. We're within striking distance. I'm still <laughs> not sure what the bet actually is. but It's two in the top 20. <laughs> Two in the top 20. I feel like it was 25, but that's fine. Just for the hell of it, can we can we get an update on Michael Thomas ranking? No. <laughs> no. Is it in the top 100? I have thoughts. I have thoughts, and they're not for this podcast. <laughs> All right, game of the week. Dogs against go- T-Bag. Right now, the way things stand, the dogs are one and a half point favorite. 120 to 118. Despite not getting much out of Tyler Lockett tonight so far, only four points um, in the first half. CMC's doing all right. He's got 17.7 at halftime, so we're okay with that so far. Um, Joining those two guys will be a quarterback, uh, Ramondre Stevenson or Cordero Patterson, CeeDee Lamb, TJ Hawkinson, Devontae Adams, and Juju Smith-Schuster. Um... And then on the T-Bag side, Justin Herbert, Miles Sanders, Isaiah Pacheco, Tyree Kill, Stephon Diggs, Gerald Everett, and two of James Conner, Aaron Jones, Amon Ross St. Brown. So, we'll start off with the underdog, Desert Dogs. Jesus, God. Jesus. You just said you're favored by a point and a half. Yeah, well, things change. I was an underdog coming into tonight. Uh, Let me go with this narrative. Sunday, 4 p.m. This man has been 
Uh, pretty good the last couple weeks. He's been carrying me through with Devontae Adams. We know Bill Belichick likes to take away the number one option on the team. Is the number one option Josh Jacobs or Devontae Adams? What kind of a game does Adams have this week against the Pats? He's a good one. Huge buys from Shane on the dog side. I mean, I don't know what you want me to say. I mean, he's, he's arguably the best wide receiver in football. I mean, he's been carrying me in the other league for three straight years. Um, he's just kind of the guy. He, he's just about impossible to take away, I guess is the, the right way to put it. Um, you're going to have to double him the whole game, and even then he's still going to get his. Um, and, and the way they're running the ball with Jacobs, you're, you're not going to be able to do that. Um, Adams is, is, is an absolute league winner. He, he's the closest thing we kind of have to what AB was for a while. Um, <laughs> just, he's just a phenomenal player. <laughs> there's, there's not much to say. All right, Phil, you're up. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you use the term league winner. You got to. Which player on Kaz's team do you want to talk about as a league winner? Cause there's a few. Yeah. My God. I'm, I'm looking at Devontae's numbers. Like, how the hell. Has he had this kind of a season when Carr has been whatever the hell he is? Like, is, is Adams the only person Carr throws to? Yes. I'm looking at these stats. It, it's, I mean, no reason that it can't continue. Um, I know Belichick's going to cook up some kind of double up. It's not going to matter. Adams, two tutters. Oh, my God. Lock it in. All right. Um, well, I don't really want to talk about quarterback because I don't know who I'm going to play. Don't want to talk about Ramondre because I don't know if he's going to play. So I guess that leaves... I'll, I'll do the right thing and we'll talk about C.D. Lamb. I wanted to talk about maybe Hawkinson or maybe what we thought Tutu Atwell would do this week. Um, but we'll talk about Lamb. He's been um, also pretty good. Uh, save a couple average games against Minnesota and Houston. Um, gets I think a pretty good matchup against Jacksonville this week. I I like CD to have a good game as well. Yeah, I agree. Um, just a, a really not a, your team's loaded. What do you want me to say? I mean, this guy's really good. Um, had the down week last week against Houston. Um, think he, think he bounces back here. I I think. I like I like some points in this game, the Dallas Jacksonville game, both ways. So, um, give me uh, give me a lamp for, for like seventy to eighty yards and a tutter. I mean the way you, you talked about him, you're like, oh, he, he's been pretty good. I had to look it up. He's wide receiver seven. No, but he had um, two two bad weeks in the last four, so that's why I said it. That's look. I I'll take that on my roster every day of the week. Guy's phenomenal. I mean, just just phenomenal. I don't know how good or bad of a matchup with the Jags it's going to be. I don't know what Jags offense is going to show up and if it's going to be a shootout or not. He's still going to have a good week regardless. Somewhere in the double-digit range. I, I think low teens. A solid week out of him. All right, let's slide over to Shane's team. Uh, Justin Herbert gets Tennessee. Uh, I believe that's a pretty good matchup. We saw Trevor Lawrence have a real nice game against Tennessee last week. And most of Trevor Lawrence's work went to his tight end, Evan Engram, 
Shane's tight end is Gerald Everett. So we have the Herbert Everett stack this week against Tennessee. I'll set the over-under at 32 points for those two guys combined. Jesus Christ. Well, if I get 32 out of them, I'm going to lose by 40. So I'm count- I was counting on 45 or 50 out of them. <laughs> but uh, I'm going to go over. I-, I think we saw in Tennessee has been pretty susceptible to the pass all year. Um, for my sake, I better get more than 32 from them. The projection from ESPN is 29. Like, cool. 50 out of who? Herbert and Everett. He said two players. Look, I, I, I like the super stack. It, it's not getting 50. <laughs> Even if they do come out of the all-powder blues. I, I like that 35 range uh, if Everett gets in the end zone. Yeah, I'm definitely worried about that one. I think that could be a, that could be a, a big game for the Chargers. Um, but Tennessee needs it. Uh, they have another game yet against Jacksonville, so they got to maintain that two-game lead that they have on them um, after losing the first game to Jacksonville. So I'm hoping hoping Vrabel's got some uh, some stuff cooked up for for Jay Herbs. Um, other player I want to talk about on Shane's team, he's been absolutely incredible the last three weeks. Um, Miles Sanders, he is, uh, running back eight on the season, and I see no reason to think why he can't keep that up against Chicago this week. What do you guys think? Yeah, I agree. I mean, he's been he's been phenomenal. Um, I'd like to see him get used a little more out of the backfield. That's been the only disappointing thing is he hasn't really turned into a receiver. Um, but I mean, the rushing has been been great, and, and and getting work inside the inside the ten as well. I mean, getting some goal line touches, um, getting in the end zone. Obviously, he's, um, he's been, I think he's been in the end zone what like eleven times or something this year. So, I mean, it's it's been a breakout year for Sanders. Been uh, been one of the pivotal parts of my team. Um, I I think he has another good week this week against Chicago. I don't, I don't see why not. You're Phil. You're muted. I think that Chicago game is going to be low scoring, and. The Eagles' offense in the red zone—it's—it's either—is it going to be Hurts running two in this week, or is it going to be Sanders running two in this week? It's a—it's a total coin flip. I, I like Sanders. I'll admit I, I was completely wrong on him before the season, and I thought he was going to lose more work to some of the other backs in that backfield. He hasn't really. But it's—it's this is one of those where Shane's going to need everything to go right to to stay in this one. And it cannot be a Hurts rushing week. Yeah, I guess I'm a little concerned with the way uh, there's been a little bit of chatter from the Cowboys about Hurts. You can see Hurts wanting to come out and silence them, so I'd be curious to know if he, he feels that at all and tries to do some stuff himself. But I do think Sanders is a good game. The Bears have been, I think, pretty susceptible against the ground the last couple of weeks, so... 
I like Sanders. Uh, we got about four minutes left. I have. We want to pick the winners, and then I have one more question for you guys. Um, pick your winner, dogs, tea bag. Yeah, this is a heavyweight fight. Two uh, two very good teams. Um, arguably two two best teams in the league, but um, I think this really comes down to that that Saturday game in Buffalo. Um, my two best players have been Hill and Diggs pretty much all, all year. Um, and I need that to be a, a shootout game. Um, gonna be cold, snowy. Who knows what's gonna happen there? Hopefully, it's not windy. Um, hopefully, it's just snow. Um, if I can get a big game out of those two, I think this game's close. But um, in the end, I think your team's a little better. I think it's a little better. And, and obviously, the Debo going down um, really boosted McCaffrey, even though he didn't need it. Um, he's already a tremendous player. But I think the dogs are gonna win this one. I think it has the potential to be a blowout, but I think my team hangs around and keeps it close. I'm calling it now. This is the championship game. Uh, whoever comes out of this will be crowned the, the league winner. I agree. At the beginning of the week, uh, I'm looking at it and saying, all right, short week, McCaffrey and Lockett, two huge pieces of this team. It, it's going to be tough. Then McCaffrey comes out in the color rush white, and I see Lockett back there returning punts, and I'm like, oh, not so fast, my friends. I forgot about the dog luck in December. I look at the teabag roster. It, it, it feels like a Pacheco game at, at Houston. You need to get Hurts not running the ball in the red zone with Sanders. And Connor needs to continue doing what he's been doing, and, and he's been on fire. God, I don't know what the hell you're going to get out of Aaron Jones. Even if all those things go right, to your point, I, I, I think it's closer, but time and time again, too much firepower on the dog squad. We're going to crown them after they move on. I like the dogs this week, too, so I'm going to pick myself. No reason not to. I think, uh, think Aaron Jones takes his jersey off at the end of this Monday night game. Takes his teabag jersey off and calls it quits. I think so. <laughs> Alright, we got about a minute and a half left. Quick question. True or false? The 2022 NFC South is a worse division than the 2010 NFC West, who famously had a 7-9 and <laughs> team make the playoffs. <laughs> I think you might be right. Um... There's just not a, a good team in that division. I mean, Tampa Bay is leading, and I'll have to go through and, and look up stats on this, but that team has more three and outs than any team I've ever seen, I feel like. They're awful. They go three and out, I feel like, five times a game. The, the correct answer to this opinion question is true. I believe... That was the Seahawks that made the playoffs at seven and nine, and that was correct. the a game for Marshawn Lynch. Yeah, correct. Yeah, I mean that this division's terrible. Yeah, I agree. I think the Panthers could win this division. I mean, just look at the quarterback play, and it's what is it? It's uh, Sam Darnold, um, Desmond Ritter, and a combination of. <laughs> Brady Andy and Dalton, Dalton yeah. Taysom Hill. All right, we got to sign off. Thank you guys for listening. Look forward to seeing who made the semis next week. Thank you both for joining me. Talk to you guys next week.